So um, today we're going to be looking at um, the first two, uh, what are considered wisdom factors of the Eightfold Path of the Fourth, of the fourth Noble Truth. Um, um, yes, he did love his numbers. This is a little reminder of the Four Noble Truths. Um, there is suffering in life is the first. There's a cause for this. And the most proximal cause is clinging, craving, wanting. The third is there's a way out of this suffering. And the fourth is the path. And that's what we're on right now, the path. The path is called the Eightfold Way or the Eightfold Path. It's divided, um, just a little reminder, it's divided into three, three, um, three sets. Um, the wisdom qualities, which are um, right view, right intention. And we're going to talk about that word right um, in just a moment. The second are the meditation or mental discipline qualities, the, the um, intentional developing of the mind, uh, right effort, right mindfulness, and right samadhi, often translated as concentration, which is such a poor translation. I, I can't say it without a caveat. Um, uh, and then the third category are the ethical living um, um, qualities, um, right action, right speech, right livelihood. This word right takes a little bit of care to understand exactly what's pointed to with it. It's really about the, the balanced view that brings about the greatest relief of suffering. And uh, an easy way to think about it is the tuning of an instrument string. So like if you're tuning a violin, if you tune it too tight, the string breaks. If you tune it too loose, it doesn't make any, any sound or it makes an off sound. But there is a place that's the natural resonance of that string to make its most beautiful, full sound. And there's a way you can tune to just that right pitch that allows a different kind of projection, a different kind of opening, um, a different kind of beauty um, to arise out. So that's what's pointed to with this word right. It's sometimes called wise, like wise view, wholesome view, skillful view, balanced view. I think we need all of those words to get at what we're looking for is that sweet spot where our own natural resonance has this ability to, to be fully expressed and known. Um, um, and, and the tuning is always to this question of what causes suffering and what relieves suffering. More and more and more, we learn to tune to that relief of suffering. So even though there's not, this isn't a linear path, um, it's often presented in a circle, it's really traditionally seen that the root is the, the wisdom qualities, right view, right intention, that everything really gets set into motion um, from these first two wisdom qualities. 
And it's important to say, you know, just here at the very beginning, the compassion and loving kindness are intrinsic elements of the wisdom qualities. So there is really no such thing as separating out mind and heart. They are always, always interrelated um, qualities of that most balanced, most wholesome, most skillful view. And you can see this when you think about it. Um, so every, you know, every moment, whether we're conscious to it or not, we're making choices moment by moment by moment by moment by moment. Um, um, some of those choices are big and obvious. I know I've got to make this decision and I'm clear about what I'm trying to do. Most often throughout our day, we're even unconscious and the choices are being made out of habits. Um, 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 and all of those moments, the big conscious ones, the small habit ones, big habit ones, you know, everything in between, all of them are continually adding up in a way that's moving us towards more suffering or towards the relief of suffering. When we start to get, you know, like to consciously get, it is all of these myriad endless choices that are directing my path towards suffering or towards the relief suffering, then it is naturally compassion that inspires a deeper look into this path, a deeper look into what's going on here. Um, it's the compassion of right view that inspires us to open our eyes and really get to know the terrain that we're on of what's happening. So right view is about developing a broad understanding of the causes of suffering and the causes of the relief of suffering. And in some ways, what we're doing, I like the way um, I heard a talk this weekend that mentioned Greg, um, and I'll talk about the talk in, in a little bit. Um, um, Gregory Kramer um, apparently um, calls right view the development of a map um, for navigating the terrain uh, in our lives. So the more clear my map is, the more, the more I understand all of the geographic, you know, peaks and valleys, um, pits and, and, um, and meadows, you know, I mean, the whole thing, the more I understand um, that whole terrain, the more I can wisely choose my direction in that direction of relief of suffering, um, which is the second factor, wise intention you know, once I start to step in um, to, to that. And so in terms of this map, it's not like um, right view is some magic wand we wave over our situation and we suddenly have clarity and, and, and get what I need to know about the moment. Right view, this map is something that we're always actively developing, um, getting more and more clear about 
through active inquiry, observation, reflection, and most of all, curiosity, you know, that wanting to know. And what we're using to build our map are, are the, is the wisdom of the first three noble truths. Um, there is suffering. This is the pro most proximal cause of it. Some form of clinging, wanting, craving. Where is that showing up? What happens with the third noble truth? What, you know, where do I taste that, that possibility of relinquishment? Um, of suffering, stepping into something different. So what we're doing in essence, um, the way Philip Moffat puts it um, with, with this right view is developing our core values. Uh, and we're gonna talk about this a lot more next week, but basically the core values um, of right view form the action of right intention. So this relationship between wisdom and kindness, I mean, wisdom and compassion, kindness, um, is really important to know is at the root of this, of this right view or wise view, whatever you want to call it. A lot of people confuse Buddhism as being all about personal liberation. But if you really examine the Four Noble Truths, the Eightfold Path, the heart of what makes up wise view. It's evident that it is in fact the acknowledgement of our interrelational reality, um, that there is a cause and effect always at play within my own self and with how I interact with others that set up this direction towards suffering or towards the relief of suffering. Um, that, that it is about um, something different than solely personal liberation. It is about how I conduct myself in the world um, in a way that matters. And this has its um, natural expression in the ethical conduct part of the Eightfold Path, right action, right speech, right living. But what's interesting is in, in Buddhist psychology, when it never says you need to do the right thing because it's just the right thing to do. Uh, you don't need to, um, you, you need to be good because you should be good. It never, ever, ever says that. We come to the wisdom of right action, right living, right speech, out of understanding the interrelational nature of every moment of our life, in the direction of suffering or relief of suffering. So from the wisdom of right view, we begin to understand that there really is no true choice out of suffering that does not have loving kindness or compassion at its core. The Eightfold Path um, is often referred to in terms such as purification of the mind, which is kind of a lovely phrase um, to embrace in terms of self-care. Uh, but I really liked um, this talk I listened to over the weekend, um, Jill Shepard on Dharma Seed. Uh, and um, when I post this on the podcast, I'll put the link to her talk because I thought it was just beautiful. Uh, 
she refers to it, the Eightfold Path as the path of mutual benefit. Um, and I like, I like that name. I'm not sure where, um, where the origin of that is, but I appreciated hearing her name it that way, the path of mutual benefit. So there's a lot to think about, and it's easy to get caught up in thinking about these teachings, um, but, but these teachings are never meant to be something to intellectually analyze. They're meant to be engaged with in our life. Uh, you can't just listen or read about right view and then have some understanding about how to apply it in your life. Uh, kind of in the same way that you could read your entire life of books about how to play the violin, um, or you could listen to people talk about how to play the violin. But until you pick the violin up and you start exploring, practicing how to put that into the lived moment now, you'll never know how to do it. So these are meant to be fundamentally practical teachings that we engage with moment by moment by moment in our life. So just for example, a helpful way to start with something like Wise View is to bite-size it to one simple thing. Um, make that thing small enough, not, not your Mount Everest, um, but something that, that feels manageable to start with. Um, um, for example, maybe I have a habit of um, being overly busy, like I never pause to see the beauty of the spring. Or a habit, of, a habit of procrastination. And I realize for some people, and certainly at times in my life, both of those were Mount Everest. <laughs> um, so if they are for you, you know, you know, you pick the small thing to start. But if they're manageable level, uh, that could be a really interesting place to start. Either one of them is a call, I know from my own life, has been a cause of suffering um, in my life. So if I want to explore it through this lens of wise view, meaning I don't just say, I don't like this habit. I say instead, I'm willing to use my compassionate wish for the relief of suffering in my life, to learn everything I can about the map of this habit so that I understand where the trigger pitfalls. Um, what does it take to navigate around those trigger pitfalls? I learned that by, by <clears throat> intimately opening to wanting to know the thought patterns associated with a pattern of procrastination or over busyness. What does it feel like in my body when I'm caught up, that's a great one. When I, can, when I can physically feel the suffering I'm causing to myself um, from being caught in some habit, it is much more inspiring to get out of it than when I'm so simply caught up in the reward, the quote unquote reward. We talked about the Judson Brewer model for that. What does it feel like in my body? What role do I know clinging, craving? have to play in this? What role is clinging or craving playing out and causing more suffering in my life? 
the more I can direct a compassionate conscious seeing to what's here, the more that map is developed, the more the next obvious step, right intention that we'll talk about next week more, it's just, it's just there. It starts to, to be the step of the greatest ease with time. You know, so this is definitely a practice. Jill Shepard in, in her talk this weekend um, that I listened to on Dharma Seed, um, she, used, uh, she shared an analogy from Ajahn Susito that I had, hadn't heard before. And I love this analogy. Apparently he says that all of this is about crafting the heart. Just as a skilled craftsperson practices for years getting to know their material, whether it be glass, wood, um, paper, metal, paint, the years of practicing to get to know their material is what allows them to understand so, so intimately well how to shape or craft that material in the way they want. That's what we're learning with Wise View, um, helping us to understand the material of our own mind, body, and hearts so that we can become more skilled in shaping our minds and hearts in a skillful direction. Really, I really like that image. Um, it's a very active, engaged image. And it reminds me of kind of another step of it. Um, when I was in college, I took an art history course, and um, one part that I've never forgotten was this teaching of Michelangelo, that he got to the place where he was no longer the craftsman. He was the true artist, and the way he saw the difference was it wasn't that he was carving a shape he wanted. He was releasing the natural spirit of the stone that was there. Uh, so looking at this, I, I found a quote from him. I saw the angel in the marble and carved until I set him free. That's what the truest artist is doing, is allowing a natural expression that's inherent in the material to, to blossom. And I can say just for my own self, you know, I certainly have had moments where right in the muck and mess, um, I could step into um, those just glorious moments, step into a wise view and orientation that really allowed a natural expression of compassion to blossom forth in a way that fundamentally changed things. So we're not really shaping our wisdom as much as we're releasing the natural inner spirit of wisdom that's already within us, releasing the natural inner spirit of a wise compassion that's already within us. And this wise view, right view, skillful view, balanced view, wholesome view is what helps us find that opening that allows this to come forth. So let's pause and sit here for a moment.
So if you were to engage with wise view in your life for this coming week, is there one place that you can imagine it being useful, not too overwhelming, but a little bit of a charge and a trigger that you can be curious about and work with, really coming under to understand the math. For this habit, what causes suffering, what relieves suffering? Thank you.